Fadeaways and Fundamentals. I am your host, Andre Perano. Today's guest, Greg Scott, joined me. We talk hoops, life. Let's dive right in with Greg. Greg Scott, welcome to Fadeaways and Fundamentals. What's up, man? I am pleased to be with you. Thank you for having me all as well. All right, right on, brother. Thank you so much for uh, taking my phone call. Hey, let's dive right in. Um, can you give us, uh, the listeners, a brief history on you and basketball starting from high school? Wow. In high school, I actually attended El Camino Real. It's out in Woodland Hills, California. But I went there at the suggestion of my junior high school coach, uh, Ron Kino. i got to give him props as a quarterback. Uh, and I was a championship quarterback my first year, played basketball as well, but back then the coaches didn't necessarily get along and want you to play multiple sports. So I actually played three years of football, but only two years of basketball in high school. And one of the reasons being is that uh, we were a championship football team, played banding in the LA Coliseum in my junior year and came out late for varsity ended up on the starting team but the last game of the season in our gym versus tap uh three seconds left i get fouled and i missed two free throws when we were down by one and one of the reasons i created a mental athlete workshop is that devastated me so badly that i skipped my senior year in basketball in high school only played football Wow, wow, that's that's tough, you know. I mean, even as a parent myself, if if um, one of my boys on my squad, you know, they lose the game. I mean, they don't lose the game. It's a team loss. But just right. because they go up there and they miss some free throws, man, I I'm the I'm the it's one that's saying it's okay. It's it's not a big deal. That there's another day to play, um, you know. That, that's but tough. unfortunately, as young athletes, the intentions and words and support ring hollow because we create our self-image through our performance. Yes. And for me as a quarterback and wanting to continue to be a champion, you're in your mind created for those situations, and it can be so devastating that uh, we really turn away from our dreams. That's why the first thing we try to teach young athletes and trying to be a champion is the coping skills because a champion doesn't always take home the prize. Sometimes we don't always give our best performances. We have injuries and we have to deal with that uh, more so than the times that we'll be able to hoist that championship banner or those trophies over the head. So we got to teach these life skills in a sports context so that we can have well-being and have a good positive self-image regardless of the result of our athletic endeavors. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely, um, you know, I went through two back surgeries very, very young and my first one at 18, second one at 21. Um, and I didn't, I didn't learn that either. I learned the hard way. Um, but now I tell my son, Hey man, if you, if you're in a mental state of not, you know, you're doubting yourself or you get smacked in the face with reality and, and yes. you think you think you're on the top of your game, and someone comes and 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 hits you and says, "Hey, look, man, 
just as much as you practice, I've been practicing just as much as you um, behind closed doors with nobody looking. I say, hey, man, get up. If you can look at reality and you're laying on your back and you can look up at the sky, then get up. There it is. You got to get up, man. You got to move on. We have no choice. You have no uh, choice, exactly. I have. It's, uh, Jesse Jackson says we get knocked down sometimes, but we get back up because the ground is no place for a champion. Exactly. I love that one. There's another one by Eric Thomas um, that I tell all my squad before we get on the court. I say, uh, be phenomenal or be forgotten. There it is. And I say, one, two, three, be phenomenal, be forgotten. And they all say it. Be phenomenal, be forgotten. One, two, three, be phenomenal, be forgotten. That's it. Plant that seed. We're, we're not just going out to play. We're going out to compete. And we're going out to compete at a phenomenal level. Exactly. And it, and if you, if you, and I tell them, you know, we lost on Saturday by 15 points. You know what I said? Accept the loss. You lost. It's okay. You weren't perfect today. That's all right. But you got to be able to take those lickings and be able to give those lickings. You can't just give the lickings and not take them. You got to be able to take it. It's okay, buddy. It's okay. And you appreciate it when you do come through because you've had that pain. And sometimes that pain will, will drive you. And you want to have it manifest into a driving force instead of a state of depression because there is no easy path. And I always remind them, the first line of we are the champions are, I paid my dues time after time. Right. That's powerful. Yeah, it <laughs> That's is. powerful. Yeah. We got to pay dues and we got to shed blood, sweat, and tears. And that'll help us to really value when we are in a situation where we can hoist that championship. Absolutely. Because we've been on the other side of it. But I got to tell you, the flip side of the, uh, let's call it failure of high school, is that, unfortunately, my parents went through a divorce when I was in high school. We had to sell the house. My mom got half the fees in. I wanted to go and walk on at Arizona. My mom put up 17505 and I remember that because that's the amount of the L.A. Lakers sellout at the forum, <laughs> so she turned, uh, so that I could walk on. And I was training with no idea of how I was going to make this happen because no other freshman had gotten a full scholarship as a walk-on. And I got that scholarship. Wow. I was able to send my mom a check for 18000 because they gave me all the back money as if I were in the athletic facilities on training table, etc. And that was probably one of the highlights of my life to be able to repay my mom uh, for believing in my dream. That's amazing. Um, now, work, working in that, how, how was your um, college experience in basketball? It was a roller coaster. Because that team at Arizona, uh, Pac-10 back then, they went 4-24. and And I did get to play, but they fired the coach and brought in a guy by the name of Lute Olson. And Lute brought in his players from Iowa, so I stayed one year. He was quite nice, and I knew that they'd be taking the uh, playing time once they uh, were eligible. And I ended up going to University of Hawaii, Hilo, NAI school, but we were able to play against Georgetown, LSU, Louisville, um, let's see, and we ended up winning the Hawaii Conference my junior year. 
that's great. I mean, you still you still yeah. play. You still did good. And then after after college, what, what did you end up doing with basketball? I wanted to continue my career. I went and played in Argentina. Okay. And I played in Paraguay. Came back uh, to Hawaii, created my mental athlete workshop, and then ended up going on to play seven more seasons in Europe. Germany, France, Greece, Italy, Spain. My daughter was born in 1997, and uh, the game is just really, really treated me well. It's not the NBA, but you're you're on the global scale, and you're playing the game that you love, and you're getting paid for it. Exactly, getting paid for it of something you want to do and your passion. That's that's the that's the ultimate goal. Um, it really is. Yeah. Um, and doing that, you, you get done, you get done playing, and you decide to write a book. What made you get into that, you know, just bringing it all and tying it all in together and helping out the youth and the young adults? I mean, I commend you for that as well. I mean, I try to do that on a daily basis with this podcast. How, I mean, how did that, how did that come about? Uh, thank you for your, your kind words because the focus – of the book, which my mom had archived all of these photos and articles and had motivated me to tell my story, but it evolved into a book where I could tell my story in a way where I could teach the life skills in a sports context, I could teach mind and body conditioning, and I could bring it into a contemporary version for a modern-day athlete who's dealing now with club basketball and who's dealing with uh, parental pressure and uh, social media and creating their own brand and the peer pressure that comes with sports these days. The book now is one that I could give a workshop or I could tutor or mentor any athlete of any sport at any age and cherry pick parts of the book based on their age, their sport, and their situation and be able to impact their lives, impact the choices that they make. One of my uh, bylines is make your choices with intelligence over impulse and with vision instead of instant gratification. And athletes need to understand the sacrifices they need to make and the commitment and the dedication. And it's all in a book in a little uh, format that takes them through a path of well-being, personal human performance, and then athletic excellence in that order. Wow. I love that. You know, um, being a former player, uh, then went, you know, getting hurt, became a ref, then becoming a ref, having been getting into fatherhood and, and being able to coach and do all that with, with my program, you know, the, the, the club program is tough. I'm not going to lie. I, I wish we did not have AAU basketball. Um, I think it gets a little hectic at times with parents and, and hey, this team is ranked fifth in the nation. They're ranked two in California. My kid went here. My kid went there. And you're talking about twelve and fourteen year olds. I'm like, wow, really? I'm like, you're, it, it you're gets a bit so much for me. Point. It gets it gets a bit much. I I'm very blessed in the community of basketball people I have around me. My son trains with NBA skill trainer Jordan Lolly, NBA skill <laughs> trainer um, Ryan Rizuki here in San Diego. He trains with pro conditioning strength coach Alex Johnson. And what I try to wow. relate to my son and my daughter that's playing is 
just enjoy the process. It, it doesn't matter who you play. It doesn't matter how, how many games you're going to play in a weekend. Where you need to go and play, whether it's to Orlando, to Las Vegas, to Texas, to uh, Anaheim. Just enjoy the process. Enjoy the practicing of it. Fall in love with the practicing of it. And then be able to use those skills that these guys are teaching you on your own so that you can make the high school teams and you can make the college teams because it's not all about the trophies. It's not. And people always claim to fame on that. And I'm just like, I I really I, I really get tired so of it. well said. It's so critical as you're putting the proper lens on club AU and travel teams. If there's a changing landscape, and on page 344 of my book, we get into the changing landscape. And I'm just going to give you a, a quote uh, playing for a club or AAU or traveling team that your varsity coach does not endorse could cost you a varsity spot. Some see it as treason. There's so much pressure and there is so much time commitment and we're not even going to get into the financial commitments, which makes the parents uh, not a little more intense, a lot more intense. You have to have your own voice in a club because certain Parents will want to go to certain tournaments, and they're spending your money that will get their their kid a look. But as you said, the focus should be on getting them to enjoy it, getting them to improve their skill sets because they're getting extra practice and training and tutelage from a higher level and, and better sources. But it can become overwhelming, and the parental interference can actually cause uh, a player to have anxiety that takes away from their ability to perform. Uh, Sports psychology is nothing more than increasing confidence and trying to limit anxiety. And as as well-intentioned as parents are, sometimes their behavior and their conduct and the pressure they put on the kids. As an athlete, as an official, I see this day in and day out. It takes away from a kid's ability to perform and certainly from their ability to enjoy it. So I appreciate what you're saying to put that proper lens, have the focus on the, uh, the kids and this young spirit and not the wins and the losses. It's critical. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean you, you, re- you refed multiple, multiple uh, times for, for my team. And, I, and I'm loud. I know I'm loud. I'm a loud human being. I do. I walk around with a invisible mic. That's just the way God made me. And people sometimes think I'm yelling at kids. I'm not. It's just the way I talk. I'm just a very loud human being. But I do. When I am coaching, and let's say the guy throws a, a he's trying to throw a hook pass. The the ball gets taken away. I'll just look at him and go, Hey, it, it may wasn't there, but Jump stop and it's throw the hook down low. Look up, throw low. Hey, you missed a layup. Ah, oh, stop missing layups at 11, 12 years old. But hey, check it out. Instead of going full speed and trying to make that left-handed layup when you're a right-handed player, why don't we go full speed, come to a quick jump stop, gather, jump gather, stop. gather our momentum, and then go up and then that's the right play. There you go. You know, you and go. I do teach that while I'm coaching. You know, I, I know that I am a loud person, but 
I, I've never tried to be malicious. I never tried to be malicious to refs, to the kids, you know, because in reality, in my, yeah, in my program, we they practice with me two days a week. They have Jordan Lolly one day. They have Ryan Rizuki one day. They have their, their strength and conditioning coach one day. And those are all optional. You can go. You don't have to go. Wow, but, that's rare. But I want them to, hey, you have me for two days. You Parents, you pay for me for two days for our facility uses. The other three are bonuses. You want to go to them? Hey, go to them and give them some money and, and enjoy the process. If not, it's okay. But I want them to hear different voices of the game, not just me. Because it's there not about me. Different sources. And you're, you're selfless and you want what's in the best interest. I wanted to throw in a couple tidbits. One on a sports psychology, because you mentioned how you give them instruction when they made an error or a bad decision. As far as how the brain works, you want to tell someone, especially in-game advice, you want to tell them what to do, not what to avoid. Now, you don't want to tell them... Uh, don't kill your dribble. You want to say maintain your dribble and attack pressure. And I noticed just how you articulated how you give them that advice. That is something that more coaches need to take heed of because you don't want to tangle the mind by telling them what to avoid. You want to tell them exactly what to do or a better way to have done what they didn't do. It's just how the brain accepts uh, information. Beyond that, as far as you're being loud, you're passionate. And a good official can uh, decipher between being loud and just uh, commentary versus passion and coaching and teaching and mentoring. So we give you a little leeway on the volume, especially when it's not coming towards us. Different officials have different sensitivities, but that's how I do my, my craft. Okay. And we bonded from day one. Yes. You like to be on the sideline. I like to run the sideline. I actually run. And I, I ask, and you're so gracious and accepting. You're just passionate. You're not disregarding. And, again, a good official can recognize that. So yeah. keep doing what you're doing, how you're doing it, because the kids recognize your passion oh, and where you. it's coming from and how it's being directed because it is a young spirit. I'm not just talking about how we interact as officials and coaches, but more so how you interact with that young spirit because we're, we also have a new generation that's sensitive. <laughs> yeah, so. they're sensitive. And I, I try to tell them, and especially to my son, hey, man, this world will eat you up, man. It really would. Mm -hmm. uh, trust me, I've, I've been called everything in the book. I've, I've been called it by strangers. And you got it. You have to accept it. You have to. Yes, this is a journey. This is... a, that's only half of what a referee gets. <laughs> exactly. I go. This is a journey, man. This is a journey of life. This is gonna. This is gonna mold you into the person you ultimately want to be. If you want to be a great basketball player, well, then guess what? This is gonna make you a great human being, not a great and human being just on the court. that's what we call it. Life skills in a sports context. Sorry to cut you off. No, that's life okay. Life skills in a sports context. Today's teammates are tomorrow's coworkers. Today's coaches are tomorrow's bosses, and we have to have these managing skills, Absolutely. articulation skills, communication skills, knowing the difference between, yes, you can speak your mind, but we always have to have a filter, and sometimes we have to have a muzzle. And we want to teach you through sports because that's where your passion is right now. And you can apply it in a multitude of ways down line, and they will appreciate it.
Yeah, you're absolutely right. Now, I want to I want to ask you a quick question about playing with the Harlem Globetrotters. How how did that come about? Well, it was <coughs> it was a friend of mine, Sterling Forbes. He had played with the Globetrotters and uh, gave me a call. We had met at Santa Monica City College, and to be able to have the opportunity to learn from the Globetrotters, even though you're not one of the Globetrotters, it's just, as you can see, skill-wise, I can do some things with a basketball that you don't see people do often, but to see the work that they put in, and it is a show, and it's a performance, um, it was an amazing life experience. Amazing. Yeah. Great, a great season. A great season. Just one, but a great one with the Generals. That hey, you know what you you were there. That's... Yes, on the roller coaster. But uh, obviously, you you not everyone, but you get tired of losing. You want to really compete. That com those competitive juices were still within me. So uh, it was a hard one to turn uh, away from. But I'm glad I did because I wanted to go and really show um, show myself what I could do at a high level, even though it wasn't in the NBA. And I had a great career. I'm very blessed. But that uh, obviously left some skills and some memories that no uh, other basketball experience can touch. Okay. Now, let me ask you this. Why why refing? After all you've done, why refing? Uh, a part of it is the fact that when you play see the ball internationally, you have so many bad referees, yes. bad officials. And if you can do uh, something to get back to the game, and I give you credit because I couldn't be a coach, I would take it home with me. I just don't have the aptitude and patience uh, to let it go at the door. So actually, I'm, I'm tw uh, 15 years divorced and going through the divorce. I'm a mortgage loan officer, but I wanted to do something in my free time so that I wasn't dwelling and depressed. And that's when I became an official. And it was really a side gig, which evolved into a craft that I took very seriously, learned my trade, read the magazine, officials, quarterly, referee magazine. I evolved and uh, actually escalated up the chain and have been doing it 15 years now, not only uh, with the AAU at your level, but also high school, done some college, I've done the ABA games here. Uh, we go to Vegas and do the best uh, tournaments there, the Las Vegas Classics, etc. And it's my way to get back to the game. It really is because we can teach, we can mold, we can influence even from our officials' position. Absolutely. I mean, there's so many times I talk to you and your colleagues and I go, hey, can you can you tell this kid um, that he needs to box out or or hey, weak side needs to box out, or instead of trying to slide his feet, can you tell him that he actually needs to cross step and get in front of that guy because he ain't listening? Oh, yeah, we got you, coach. That's why he keeps fouling him. And we appreciate coaches <laughs> who will ask or allow us to. If I call two illegal screens on the same player and, and one half, I've got to, on the second one, say, hey, you need to hold your space and let that dribbler come off of you. Uh, and coaches do appreciate that. Um, and I think that... We have somewhat of an obligation to explain calls when uh, a kid just doesn't know. And right. maybe he's not getting the right tutelage or the right 
uh, it can be like math, how you explain something. Absolutely. You, you, yeah. <laughs> we have the same thought, but we explain it differently and the light bulb goes on. Right. You can do it real quick and concisely. And some officials just want to go and make calls. That's fine. But this is my way, again, to give back to the game. Right. And thank you for appreciating and recognizing that. Nice. All right. So, Mr. Scott, I got a few more questions. Um, sure. Number one. Um, a piece of advice you would give a parent for one, and number two, a piece of advice you would give a high school student playing the game. As far as a parent is concerned, please recognize the impact and influence your behavior, your mannerisms, your verbiage, your volume have on your young spirit that you're trying to support and give every opportunity to do the best that they can do in the world of sports. Because it is a young spirit, and the money that you pay gives you the right to have a voice, but if you really have your young spirit's best interest at heart, I just ask that you consider recognizing what motivates them and what may give them anxiety, and change your behavior, your volume, your personality traits accordingly for the greater good of what you say you want, which is them to have every opportunity to do the best that they can because anxiety takes away from that. Right. Okay. I like that. And for the player? And for the player, look at yourself in this day and age as a brand, brand you. You are a student athlete. You're trying to merge life, school, and sports you have to put up with pain injury travel changes of diet and nutrition requirements for hydration injuries rehabilitation those are things that the normal student doesn't have to deal with and those are the dues that you must pay so see yourself as a brand take control of your brand be the ceo as we call it in my book and try and make choices, again, with vision for your brand. And that can be what you eat, how much you sleep, when you study, what you tweet, what your online profile looks like. Any one of those variables can take away from an opportunity for your future. So you have to have a wide lens. Sometimes it can be just articulation. It can be how you speak. It can be profanity. It can be a negative attitude. Because as a brand, you're asking every coach, every team that you're ever going to play with, do you want to do business with me? And every team has their own culture. And you need to recognize that culture. Hopefully you'll fit into that culture. But I'd like you to be adaptable so you can fit into multiple coaches. So be a brand. Be a brand. Brand you. Be a brand, brand you. I love that. Man, that's heat. I could drop the mic right now and end it. <laughs> there it is. Man, I love that. Man, that's some, that's just deep. Because, you know, me, my, I my wife. If they get the book, it, it's right there. Yeah. It's right there on page 338. You know, my, CEO my wife. Brand you. you have board of directors, your parents, your family, your coaches, your trainers, your mentors. And they can dictate your opportunities. So you are not in full control. They have veto power. But it is about you. It's about your choices. It's about your vision. 
and you have to manage these relationships. And the better you learn it through this scenario that I'm speaking of in sports, the better you will handle situations later on in life because it's ever-evolving. Ooh, I love it, Coach. I love Thank it. You, I love I love it. That is just great. You know, my wife is a, is a meal prep chef, so we eat clean and I get the hydration and not everybody gets that in, in having the right foods and the right diet and the right balance. Man, you, you, in the right, the stretching, the yoga, the, the, the condition, I mean, everything ties in like a brand. Man, that is the best analogy. You need to put that on a t-shirt for the club Thank team. <laughs> this is I'm my brand for it when as it comes a team. You're going to get the first. The first version. <laughs> I love that. Now, who was your favorite basketball player growing up? Favorite basketball player growing up? Easy. Pistol Pete. Wow, okay. Pistol Pete Maravich. Liking it. Liking it. And he's in the book as well. Mainly because, and I, I need to give a little caveat, Pistol Pete didn't play D. Okay, it's in the book. Right. <laughs> D. So we talk about those we want to emulate, uh, but as far as honing his skills and the commitment to the game and taking the tutelage of his father, um, I just love Pistol Pete. I'm ambidextrous. You want to be uh, a good ball handler, but a, a good scorer, but a better passer. Nice. I always really tell my son was that. Outstanding. And really, you see me spin the ball and do the hit, and I catch it behind my head. Yeah. That's Pistol Pete. Yeah. I tell my son all the time, you got it. Kids out there, I I have it on VHS videotape. Okay, I still have it. But uh, uh, that's how I learn the skills. I hone the skills. We need to take different pieces from the various people that we want to emulate and bring it into our own being. For example, I like Clyde Frazier. I love Gail Goodrich. Everyone knows the logo, Jerry West. I love Gail Goodrich. And then we have a little Muhammad Ali. And then we have a little Pele. Then we have a little Bruce Lee. And you want to know not only who you want to emulate, but why. Because we want it, We don't want it to be about hype. We don't want it to be about celebrations. We want it to be about maybe their personality or how they conducted themselves or how they were uh, when they weren't playing well. And we want to cultivate these worthy traits, not style over substance. Loving that. That is great. You got, yeah, I tell myself all the time, you got to play some D and you got to be a great passer. You you got court vision, man, you're going to be the man, but you got to have the court vision, son. Well said. Court vision, head up, a willing passer. Hey, I, I, my son is on my team, and I don't be when he's got the ball. You don't hear me saying go, 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 man. First thing I tell him as soon as he got the ball, I go head up, because I'd rather see you make a beautiful pass to someone to actually score, which the game is meant for, than for you to just be taking the ball where two guys are looking at you like, hey, I'm wide open, and you're going in for a layup. Uh uh-uh. uh. Right. Head up, no, man. It looks bad. Yeah. What we I, call bad optics. I want beautiful basketball. I'm not all there about your is. numbers. I want beautiful basketball. Well, which, said. Let, me, let me give you one other thought in a form of a question. The first consensus three time All American was John Wooden. Right. 
people think of the pyramid of success and they think of all the mentoring and the nurturing that it has provided for athletes and non-athletes alike over the years, but John Wooden was a baller. Right. And at the top, although we want the noble traits that are within the pyramid, at the top of the pyramid is competitive greatness. So I want to leave people with this. We want people to have well-being. We want them to have human performance. But if we're going to get into athletics and we're going to compete, we're going to strive for competitive greatness. That is the bottom line. We want you to be not just good. We want you to try to be great. And we want you to try to have excellence. And that is the pinnacle that we're trying to get to, which is competitive greatness. Let's not let that get lost. Absolutely right. You're absolutely 100% right. Absolutely. I love that. Because that dictates their discipline. That dictates the sacrifice. It dictates eating the right things and drinking the right things and getting the right rest. Because that's what we're striving for. Yes, sir. It's not the only thing, but it is the ultimate. I'm not the one who put it at the top of the pyramid. I'm just going off of John Wood. Right, right. John Wood is John Wood, man. He's man. There it is. <laughs> now, <laughs> now you know you're still repping and stuff. What's your favorite basketball shoe or favorite MJ shoe? I always end it with this. The MJ shoe. The favorite would have to be hmm, I have a pair of MJ trainers which are all mesh. Okay. And I'm going to say that because after all these years I've had a few foot surgeries and I need a shoe that will give me a nice wide toe box, give me comfort and I wear uh, Air, um, a Jordan Air trainer. But I'll be honest with you, in Europe, although my brother has been uh, with Nike, this is funny, uh, coincidence, my brother is a finance guru. My dad was a banker in, in West L.A. My brother has been with Nike for 20 years. He was a finance manager for Brand Jordan for 12 years. Wow. When Jordan went through his divorce, my brother, they put him on a sabbatical six weeks to figure out how much the wife was going to get for half the duration of the marriage, which was 15 years, so seven and a half years. She ended up getting $62 million, but it's funny you should mention that because I have this Jordan memorabilia that comes straight from him that other people wouldn't get. But unfortunately, when I was in Europe, I had a sponsorship by, with Adidas. And in college, I had a sponsorship, a personal sponsorship with Adia. So I missed out on being able to wear some of the best Jordan uh collection shoes because I was contractually obligated. But I've more than made up for it since then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what is your favorite go-to move? I'm sorry? Favorite go-to move in basketball? Uh, a straight head fake, two bounce dribble either way and a pull-up mid-range jumper. Okay, I like that. I like the I like the mid range because it, it's it's so basic and we don't see it enough. Uh, obviously, if you were to check G hoops, I could shoot the three. I could shoot from distance. I did lead the league in scoring in Germany. I have a forty two inch vertical, so I could give it to you left hand, right hand, backwards. Don't listen to me. Just go to YouTube, mental athlete. Uh, but you got to have a pull up jumper. You got to have a mid range jumper. Absolutely, I like that. I tell my son that all the time. We got to go mid-range. Um, last but not least, 
where can people find your book? Um, what's your book's title? And last but not least, where can they find you if they want to reach out to you? Perfect. The book title is Global Hoops, Mind, Body, and Soul. And it is the true life tales, tools, teachings, and testimonials of an international pro ball player and mentor. You can find the book and information about it at ghoops.com. G is in Greg or Global, ghoops.com. And it is, you can click on, go straight to the publisher, Trapper, take a look at the preview. You can put it right in the cart. They wanted to get it. If you want to get in touch with me, my email is Greg Scott, that's G R E G G S C O T T at ghoops.com. And my phone cell business is 858-ERI-CODE-568-3949. I appreciate you asking. Thank you, Coach. Hey, so, hey, Greg, thank you so much again. Thank you for uh, spending uh, your times with me here on the podcast of Fadeaways and Fundamentals. Um, and be a lookout for uh, Greg. Uh, please get his book uh, for you listeners out there. And um, if you guys want to get in touch with Greg, Greg's got a lot to talk about. He's got a lot of great information about basketball, life, and hoops. So please give him a call or uh, email him. And with that, Greg, we out.